Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. What a joy it is to be back worshiping together. Let's get right at it. Hope Ottawa, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. Acts 4, 23 to 31. And if you do not have a copy of God's word in front of you, put your hand up nice and high because our ushers are coming forward right now and we want to put a Bible in your lap. And to encourage you to continue to study God's word on your own, we believe that it is inerrant. We believe that it is sufficient. We believe uh, that it is living and active and changes lives as they are exposed to that truth. We want to encourage you and keep that as a free gift so you can continue to study God's word on your own at home. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. And before I go any further, I just want to give a shout out to our Hope Kids 2 to 5 class. Hey, Hope Kids, love you. Glad to have you back with us this week. Uh huh. Hopefully you haven't forgotten your voices tonight because we're going to read God's word in a moment. So make sure you've got your Bibles open and I am so blessed to see your faces. Here we are in our next series in the book of Acts. The theme, the title of the series is To the Ends of the Earth. And if you remember, the theme throughout the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to the end of Acts chapter 28, is witness. Witness. And so it's really amazing how the Lord has been uh, really giving us an x-ray or a blueprint of the life of what a faithful witness looks like. Little recap for those who haven't been here. Marks of a faithful witness. We saw that in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 41. You'll see all these on the screen. A faithful witness has one message to proclaim. There's one message, and that is the gospel, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Then we saw in Acts chapter 3, 1 to 10, a faithful witness has one mindset. What's the mindset of our witness? Expectancy, that it's never just another moment. Every moment is another gospel opportunity. Expectancy. Then we saw the witness confidence. The confidence of the witness is in one thing, that God has a plan. God has a plan of salvation. God made the plan. God draws the people. Our confidence is not in ourselves to convince other people. It is in God's plan and power. Then we saw the testimony of the witness. The testimony of the faithful witness is delivered one way. What way? Boldly. Boldly, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 22. And remember, boldness does not mean harshness. Boldness does not mean spitting in someone's face while your face goes red. Boldness simply means courageous clarity. Say that with me, courageous clarity. Did you all walk with courageous clarity this week, huh? Come on. The testimony of the witness is bold. And that leads us to today. The priority of the faithful witness is what? The priority of the faithful witness is prayer. Is prayer. Let me ask you a question, loved ones. Did you struggle to make prayer the priority this week in your life? Let's just be honest. We're in church. We can't lie. Did you struggle to make prayer the priority in your life this week? Let's just be honest. And you say, why is that so important? Like, why, out of all the things we could prioritize? I mean, shouldn't we, like, be in planning mode? Shouldn't we be strategizing? If we're going to be faithful witnesses, why does God call us to make prayer the priority? Well, I love how uh, author and pastor 
late 19th, early 20th century, S.D. Gordon, Samuel Dickey Gordon, said it this way, love this. He says, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. I love that. I gotta put that, honey, we gotta put that in my office. Like it's just on a frame. I just love that. That is so right. You can do more than pray after you've prayed. Praise the Lord. But you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. How much would our lives change if we believe that was true? Huh? You cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. Here's what this means. Let's break it down. Little prayer means little witness. Light praying means light witnessing. And I want to encourage us and challenge us, loved ones, uh, we are not called to be lightweights when it comes to our witness. The gospel calls us to be heavyweights when it comes to witnessing. In fact, it's the mission. Remember Acts 1.8? We're not called to be lightweights in our witness. If I could sum it up, I'd say it this way. Prayerless witness is powerless witness. Prayerless witness is powerless witness. And we can do nothing. Why is that? Big idea of our text today. You'll see it right here on the screen. Because our witness depends on God. You ever think about that? Our witness, your witness, my witness, faithfulness, fruitfulness depends on God. God, and therefore prayer must be our priority. Why? Because prayer, remember, loved ones, is the declaration of our dependence on the Lord. Prayerlessness is our declaration of independence to say, God, I got this. I've got the skills. I've got the abilities. I don't need you. And herein lies the problem. You've probably seen it already, as have I. The problem is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is an epidemic in the church today. Prayer is often not our greatest priority. Don't we just, hey, loved ones, eyes up here for a sec. Love that you're taking notes, but check this out. Don't we just love our independence? Here's what we have to realize. You and I were not created to be autonomous. We just love our independence. As such, bring on the prayerlessness. I've got this. Prayer is often not our greatest priority, and we prioritize or depend on all these other things of lesser importance. Or, or here's what happens. We know we should pray, but we don't know how. Does everyone struggle with just knowing how to pray sometimes? Like, how do I pray? And what is the result of prayerlessness? You see it all over. Timid, fearful, apathetic, and powerless witness, if any witnessing happens at all. But I want to encourage us, Hope Ottawa. I want to encourage us with this. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. God has given us the blueprint for what I affectionately have termed here the witness prayer. The witness prayer right here that's grounded in the word that he promises to bless and will empower our witness through to draw men and women to himself and advance his kingdom for his glory. So here's the question. How do we pray witness prayers? 
How do we pray witness prayers, faithful witness prayers? Let's find out. Let's stand honor the authority of God's word. Acts chapter 4, 23 to 31. Kids, I've been so excited all week for this moment right here to hear you reading scripture with me, okay? Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. Everybody nice and loud. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together. Against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said, amen. That's, that's just awesome. Is that not just an awesome move of the Lord in this text? Let's get after this. All right, the prayer of the faithful witness. Here we go, we see three things. The first one is this. The prayer of the faithful witness recognizes God's position and says, starts off right here, you're in control, Lord. How many of us just need to stop and and say, I just needed to hear that today. You look around this world, you look at your life, and you see me reminded, you're in control, Lord. The prayer of the faithful witness starts right here recognizing God's position and declares you're in control, Lord. See this, the witness prayer is rooted in and declares God's sovereignty. See that? See where they start? The witness prayer is rooted in and declares God's sovereignty. Here's our challenge right here, application from point one. Will you trust him and submit? Will you trust him and submit? Let's get our context Jerusalem, first century. The early church has just experienced its first wave of opposition and persecution against them from the Jewish leaders. Why did this opposition come? Because the Lord healed a lame man through Peter and John. And after that man was healed, if you remember, Peter preaches. Peter preaches in Acts 3 about the saving power of Jesus Christ. And the leaders hate this because just over 100 days earlier, they crucified Jesus for saying the same thing. And so what do they do? The leaders throw Peter and John into jail. And the next day, they bring them before the high court. You'll see it right here. The Sanhedrin, made up of 71 high court judges, like the Supreme Court of Israel. And and Peter and John, the apostles, would stand in the middle of this circle, and they would be put on trial. And so after threatening Peter and John, 
and commanding them, and by the way, threatening them means they were threatening them to throw them in prison or beatings or even death. They threatened them and commanded them not to preach about the person and work of Jesus, the gospel. They are released. Peter and John are released to go. And where do they go? Notice the text, verse 23. They go to where some of the church was gathered, some of their friends. And today, right here, picks up what happens next when they get with their friends. And we get a look at the church's response. We get a look at the church's reaction to the council's threats. Let's go back to the text. It's so good. 23 in the first part of 24. When they were released, Peter and John, here we go. Kids, are your eyes in the text? Eyes in the text? Follow along. They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Let me ask you a question, Hope Ottawa. Eyes up here. What's the church's first response to the threats? Just look at the text. Tell me. Prayer. Prayer is the first response. Prayer is the priority. See, they hear about these threats made against them. And notice what they don't do? Okay, what's, what's the plan mode? They don't go into planning mode. They're not like, okay, what do we have to do? And where do we have to go? And who needs to be contacted? And all this stuff. They don't go into panic mode saying, oh, we need to run. We need to go. We need to save our lives. They don't go into panic mode. They don't go into planning mode. They go into praying mode. What do you and I do? Just stop right there. What do you do when the pressure's on? When the opposition hits? When the weariness comes? When the fear starts to take root? Where do you go? What's your first priority? You say, why is that so important to answer? Because of this. You'll see it on the screen. Where you turn to first shows what or who you're dependent on the most. I'll say, I'll say it again. Where you turn to first, where I turn to first, shows who or what you are dependent on the most. That you're putting your stock in, your hope in. See, they come together in, notice this, united prayer. We had a church-wide prayer night here on Wednesday. What a beautiful time. Just lifting, man, when we hit that, thousand hallelujahs. I was just on another level. That was so beautiful. United prayer blesses the heart of God. And notice this, notice this. Not just that they prayed. Okay, great, prayer. Notice how they prayed. It's instructive for us right here. Notice how they prayed. And what or who they rooted their prayer in. Let's read. 24, keep going in the text. They lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Kids, isn't that awesome that God created everything? And that he's in control. Isn't it awesome? Kids say that's awesome. Because our God is awesome. Notice this. And everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, 
There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What a prayer. Notice this. They rooted their prayer in the position, power, authority, and sovereignty, and the wisdom of God. Notice what they rooted in? Where'd they go first? Always vertical. God's character, God's nature, God's authority. Now that term, sovereign Lord, circle it in the text, it means this. One who has complete jurisdiction over all things. Complete, are we remembering that when you look, when you turn on the news and you see, I, I gotta tell you, I get really bummed out really fast most of the time when I turn on the news these days. But are you remembering the moment there's a sovereign Lord over all of that? It means this in the Greek, complete jurisdiction, absolute authority over everything and having uncontested power. In summary, they declare that the sovereign Lord has total control over this situation. They say, you're in control, Lord. We hear the threats. We hear the opposition. It's coming. We see it. And what do they do? They humble themselves and submit to him under his whatever your hand and plan predestined to take place. Whatever you want, Lord. That's one of the most freeing prayers you could ever pray. Whatever you want, Lord. I'm not gonna fight you anymore. There's only one sovereign and it's not you or me. It's throwing ourselves, humbling ourselves, before the mighty hand of the sovereign Lord and saying, whatever you want. Now notice this, verse 25. What do they do in their prayer? They humble themselves, they submit to him. What do they do? They pray God's word. Scripture-fed prayer blesses the heart of God. They pray God's word. What are they praying from here? Well, right here in verse 25, they start praying Psalm 2. It's Psalm 2, verses 1 to 2, that David spoke hundreds of years earlier, and they declare later on in 27 and 28 how that what happened to Jesus, notice this, what happened to Jesus through Herod and Pilate and the others who crucified him, and how what's happening to them now is the church is fulfilling the word of the Lord. Psalm 2. One to two, according to the plan, verse 28 means the purpose of God that he predestined. Circle, kids, that's a big word, isn't it? Predestined. You know what predestined means? It just means God determined what would happen beforehand. He knew what was coming. He's not surprised by it. They declare that based on God's word, that all people, notice this, I'll oh, be so encouraged in 25 and 26, all people, even the most powerful rulers and authorities who will attempt to come against Jesus and his church, that means they devise their plans, will ultimately come up empty. That's the word vain in verse 25. Anyone who comes against the church of Jesus Christ will come up empty. Be encouraged. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell no matter who the opposition's coming from, will not prevail against it. Happened in the first century and here in the 21st century. 
They plot and rage against the church in vain. And today, as you look around, let's bring it into today. As you look around, loved ones, does this encourage you, that truth right there? God's position, God's authority, that all of the authorities and people that you know the people on your sports teams, the people in your neighborhoods, your your boss in the workplace, the government leaders that we have, listen, all of them that come against Jesus in his church are actually subject to God's authority. And they cannot do anything outside of what he allows them to do. He is the sovereign Lord. And he is seeing to it That all of those authorities, all of those people, even if they are his enemies, are fulfilling his will that he's already determined will take place. And you may say, well, wait a second. It just seems like everything's getting worse. Listen, it's not for you or I to know how God's going to do that or why he's doing it all the time. It's our job to submit to him and trust in his goodness, his sovereignty, his love for us, that he's working and advancing his kingdom for his glory. See, even though they rage and fight against it, they will never defeat him. Like this, so when I was thinking of trying to bring this in, um, is anyone here familiar with the game Jeopardy? Just put your hand up. You're familiar with Jeopardy? Okay, good show, right? You see that on the screen? You know what? Listen, trying to come against Jesus and his church, get this, is like trying to beat God in a game of Jeopardy. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'll take a self-portrait of the artist for 1,200. God's like, man, I know the answer. I gave the question. It's like, yeah, I'll take uh, the silent letter and uh, I'll take that one too. And you have no chance. Same with trying to come against the church. Good luck with that. You can rage and plot in vain all you want. Christ will see to it that the church is victorious because he is victorious. See, the witness prayer declares God's sovereignty. Will you trust him and submit? Believers, followers of Christ who've made that decision, will you trust and submit to him in your workplace, in your family, on your sports teams, in the opportunities God gives you to witness? You don't have to run in fear anymore, loved ones. You don't have to. The Lord is sovereign over that. He's got authority over that. Do not run. When God gives you the opportunity, and it's so easy to say, well, what will happen to my reputation? What will happen to my job? What will happen to this? Loved ones, we must, if we have a missional mindset, we are more concerned about the reputation of Jesus than the reputation of self. Knowing that whatever God does, he's in control and will only work for your good and his glory. You do not have to run. You do not have to be afraid. When that opposition comes, or you perceive the opposition might come, they'll think about you differently, and you're tempted with fear and anxiety. Loved one, will you recognize God's position of complete sovereignty, authority, and power, wisdom, and humble yourself before him, knowing that he will use that situation for the fulfillment of his perfect plans and purposes for you and his kingdom? See, this is where all faithful prayer must start. Where it has to be rooted in. If we are to live as faithful witnesses, it has to be rooted in the character, the power, and the position of God. And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus as your personal Savior, just read the word of the Lord. 
I've been praying specifically for you this week. You are not here by accident. Will you see and believe the truth that you just read? That it was God's plan predestined before time began to send his only son, Jesus, to come to earth, to be betrayed, to live a perfect life, a sinless life, and to be crucified on a cross to pay the penalty for the sin of the world. Your sin, my sin, that separates us from God and if not repented of, will lead you to separation from God for eternity in hell. Will you see that Jesus is God's anointed, verse 26, anointed servant, the Messiah, and submit to him and say, I I repent of my sin and confess you as Lord. See, Jesus is God's plan of salvation. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. There's no other name. Will you repent and confess him as Lord? See, a prayer of a faithful witness recognizes God's position and says, Lord, you're in control over this. I'm scared. I'm I'm intimidated. I'm anxious, but you're in control. And from this, they recognize God's sovereignty. And then the prayer of a faithful witness, look at the response, request God's power. He's the sovereign Lord. Request God's power and says, I need you, Lord. I recognize who you are and who I am. You are worthy. I am needy. I need you, Lord. See, the witness prayer asks for God's power. No, we cannot change a life. Will you stand firm in that opportunity and ask him for it? Will you stand firm in the opportunities given you and ask him? Go back to the text, 29 and 30. Let's go. And now... Based on who you are, God, and your position over this moment. Watch this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See what happens right there? Oh, so good. After humbling themselves before the Lord through recognizing who he is and surrendering to his will, whatever your hand finds to do to take place, Lord, they now request God's power to do two things. Did you catch it? Let's go back into the text. Verse 29. The first thing they ask right here, is say, Lord, I need you to help me speak your word. They request God's power to speak his word. Look at 29 again. And now, Lord, in spite of those threats, look upon the threats. Look upon how we feel fearful or intimidated a little bit. Look at that and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. You know why they asked for boldness? Because they were concerned they wouldn't have it. In the face of, of the opposition. So they're asking, they're like, we can't manufacture this. We can't manufacture white knuckle faithfulness in our own lives. We need you, Lord, for this. The believers first ask, notice this, was for God to give them power. To do what? To run? No, to continue in spite of all the threats to speak his word with boldness. Remember what, the, what that word boldness means right here. The Greek means to be confident or to be courageous. Here's biblical boldness. Write this definition down right here. It is spirit-empowered courage. It's that courageous clarity. Spirit-empowered courage and confidence to proclaim the gospel despite danger or threat. Despite danger or threat. 
courageous clarity. See, the disciples knew what we must today, that they were completely dependent on the Lord for witness. Totally dependent on you, Lord. We're gonna run every time. They knew that on their own, they would run, they would compromise, and they couldn't change the heart. And they needed the boldness of God to live faithfully on the mission of God. Here's the second thing they ask. You see it in the text? Go to verse 30. Requesting God's power to speak his word. Here's what else they ask. To show his work. Lord, show your work. Look at verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, their second request was for God to show his power. See that? Lord, give us the boldness And at the same time, show your power through stretching out your hand to heal the sick and perform signs and wonders. The word, the term signs and wonders there means the miraculous works of God to do what? To authenticate the truth of the gospel message as it was breaking into the world. Now let's get some clarity here. Remember, the book of Acts, a lot of it is descriptive, not prescriptive. Remember, Acts is a historical narrative. Can God still heal? Yes. Yes, he can. Does he still do miracles? Yes. Yes, he does. Miracles of physical healings like this, though, what we see in the, all throughout the book of Acts, they're not the norm now. Can he still do them? Yes, he can. But they're not the norm now. The greatest miracle, let's not... Let's not minimize the greatest miracle that God is doing every day. And what's that? The greatest miracle God is doing today is replacing the heart of stone with a heart of flesh and raising someone from death to life. Are we asking God to stretch out his hand to do it? Lord, as we preach your word in your power, will you stretch out your hand to my neighbor, to my teammate, to the coworkers that surround me, to my, to my lost family members? Will you stretch out your hand, Lord, to heal their heart, pleading for their souls? Who has God put around you? Will you ask him to stretch out his hand and for you to be filled with boldness? See, live in the text. Live in the text. You're in that room right now. The threats have come. You're seeking the Lord. What would you pray for if you were in that room? Let's just be honest. Live in the text. Take it home. The threats. Don't forget, Peter's got a family. He's got a wife. He's got real estate. He's got a lot to lose, doesn't he? What would you pray for? Let's just be honest. If we're honest... Most likely, most of us right here would pray something like, Lord, change my circumstance and make it more comfortable. I'd be tempted with that. Would you? Change my circumstance and make me more comfortable. Alleviate the pressure. Alleviate the pressure, Lord. Make it easier for me. Remove the opposition. You ever pray that? Lord, just remove this. And everything will be good. What if he's allowed it for a reason, loved ones? God doesn't do random. But it'd just be so much better. Remember, 
you and I would want what God wants if we knew what God knows. This is a critical moment in the life of the church. It's a critical moment for us today because it's not getting any easier to be a Christian, a faithful Christian in today's world. Would we pray, Lord, please make things easier for me. As one commentator said, I love this, he said, their prayer was rooted in the mission over their own comfort. I'll say it again. The disciples' prayer in this text right here was rooted in the mission over their own comfort. Are yours and mine? Even if the job loss might happen, even if the relationship might get hindered, even if you're not the one getting an invite to the party, are your prayers and mine rooted in the mission or our comfort? Just let it hang there for a moment. And let's just be real with the Lord. And let his kindness through his word lead us to repentance right now. Do your prayers, do mine, reflect a rooting in the mission. The reason for which we were saved. Or in our comfort. See, they knew Jesus was worth more than their lives. Do you and I? Is Jesus worth more than your life to you? Is Jesus worth more than your popularity to you? Is Jesus worth more than your job status to you? Is Jesus worth more than every other relationship in your life to you? Is he worth it? Our prayers reflect our answer to that question. See, the church stood firm in faith and in confidence. They called on the Lord and they entrusted themselves to him. The witness prayer asked for God's power. It doesn't ask God to alleviate. It asks for God's power in it. If he wants to remove us from that, fine. That's up, whatever his hand finds to do to take place. But it asks for God's power to stand firm and stay faithful. Will you stand firm and ask him? It's rooted in the mission, not our comfort. Will our prayer be, Lord, I need you. Your glory over my comfort. Give me your power to speak your word and display your power by showing your work of salvation in your time, in your way, as you see fit. The prayer of the faithful witness recognizes God's position as sovereign and says, Lord, you're in control. I trust you 
and I submit to you whatever you want. And from that, it requests God's power, saying, Lord, I need you right now because I'm tempted to run, but I need you to help me stand firm and stay faithful. And lastly, we see this. How does God respond to prayers that are scripture-fed and spirit-led? Let's look at verse 31. The prayer of a faithful witness, look at this, receives God's provision. Receives God's provision, and they're like, let's go, Lord. Let's go, Lord. I don't know how it's going to end up. I don't know what will happen, but let's go. This is my purpose right now, to be your witnesses, to make disciples of all nations. This is the mission. Let's go. Verse 31. Come on, church. And when they had prayed, here's God's response. Watch this. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Shaken. And they were, can you imagine what that would have been like? You're in that room. We'll get into what shaken means in a moment. Shaken, and they were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit and continued, just as they said, just as they asked for. They continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. See, in response to their prayers, God answers, and the room is shaken. That word shaken there in the Greek. Hey, kids, you know what that word shaken there means in the Greek? It means to totter. Like it's tottering. There's the room the disciples are in. Like you're being blown to one side by wind and waves, you're being tossed. That's what's happening to the room in a moment that the disciples have prayed this. As the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God Almighty himself, the presence and power of God comes and Fills, notice the word fills them. You know what that means? Fills them up completely to the max with everything they would need to accomplish the will of God. And they went on faithfully speaking God's word. They didn't ask and then doubt and then run. They went on faithfully speaking God's word with all boldness in spite of the hostility, in spite of the threats against them. Not by our mighty loved ones. Not by our power, but by the Spirit of God alone. And here's the key. I want you to notice something in this verse that's so easy to skip over. Look at this. Did you notice this? That God's answer, God's provision, didn't come to them without prayer. Notice the text. And when they had prayed... God sent the Spirit. They were filled again. And when they had prayed, see, many times, here's what we need to see again and again all throughout the New Testament. Many times God will choose to limit his power to the prayers of his people. James 4.2 says, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Look at the conditions on this. 1 John 1, 9, talking about our cleansing, ongoing sanctification. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. If you confess. When they had prayed, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motives. And so you're to spend it on your own passions and pleasures. They aren't asking with wrong motives. They're missionally grounded. Scripture-fed, spirit-led prayer has the blessing of God all over it. In his time and in his way. See, God responds to their expectant, faith-filled 
scripture-fed prayer that they made according to his will, according to his word, and for his glory and not their own. Remember, it was his will that they witness, Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. They're like, please give us what we need to help fulfill your will. What a prayer. And God's like, yes, I will. That's a prayer I'm eager to bless. Give me whatever I need right now to fulfill your will for your glory, not my comfort. Yes, loved one, it's on the way. It's on the way. It was their mission. And so I want to encourage us with this right here. Check it out. God will always give exactly, filled to complete, exactly all we need to do all he commands. God will always give exactly what we need to do all he commands. God God will not ask from you or I what he's not first willing to do in you and I. Because otherwise we take the credit for ourselves. God will not ask from you what he's not first willing to do in you. But are you asking? See, and notice this, he answers. See how he answered? Not only did he respond here in the text by giving the boldness they asked for. Look at the end of 31. They went on speaking. There's one answer to prayer. We see in the next chapter that Lord willing, we'll get back to you in a few weeks. Acts chapter five, verse 12. He answered their prayer for the signs and wonders to authenticate what they preached. He stretched out his hand. And we're gonna look at that all the more, Lord willing, in a couple weeks. And look around this church right now. You think God's stopped doing this? Look around this church right now. Loved ones, I see your face. And there's so many of us sick today. Man, there's just like so much sickness going around. But I see your faces right here, all over this place. Kids, youth, you too. I see your faces. And I hear your testimonies you've shared of God answering prayer for your witness. And there are people in this room who have been saved through the prayers of others in this room. Literally right now in front of me. There are people in this room who have been saved by the power of God for the glory of God through the prayers of the saints in this room. (laughs) You think God's not gonna answer? God's gonna, yes, he's chosen. Yes, he's elected. But are we praying for him to stretch out his hand? Whatever you want, Lord. See, God's kingdom is advancing in and through this church in response to the prayers of God's people. We'll hear a family chat on that in just a minute. All glory to him. All glory to him, amen? Lord, shake our hearts like this room. Shake us out of our apathy. Shake us out of our complacency. Shake us into fervency. Shake us into passion. Shake us into prayerfulness. Yes, Lord, God answers prayer to witness. By his word, for his glory, will you trust him when you ask to provide all that you need to speak boldly? Here's what we have to understand as we lay in the plane. God is not looking for help. Did you know that? God could accomplish this thing. God's not looking for help. He's looking for those who call for help. Those are going to be the ones he shows his glory through. Not the arrogant, not the proud, not the I got this. The ones who are humble, low, dependent, broken, repentant, and consumed with his glory over their comfort. Watch what God does. 
in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods. He's looking for those who call for help. Is that you? Our witness depends on God and prayer must be our priority. Recognizing his position, Lord, you're in control and requesting his power, saying, Lord, I need you and receiving his provision in his time and in his way, according to his will, which is always the right way in the right time. Let's go, Lord. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this into practice right now. Because we want to be hearers of the word and not just doers of the word, right? We want to be hearers of the word and not just doers. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into groups of four or five right now, and we are going to call on the Lord. You're going to see this on the screen right here. Witness prayer. Recognizing God's position. I want you to take Acts 4, 23 to 31, and let's pray this text together back to the Lord. 23 to 28 for the first one, then request God's power. Say, Lord, I need you. Give me power to speak your word boldly where and with who. And stretch out your hand to do what only you can do. With, in, what? And then say, Lord, I trust you're gonna give me all I need. Let's go. Give me the faithfulness to step out. Okay, so let's take the next. The worship team's gonna be playing a little bit in the background here. Get into groups of four or five. If you don't know the person, just a quick hello, and then get into groups of four or five, and then let's pray this out to the Lord. Let's go.